0: Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Carlyn and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Are you ready to make a change that's good for you and the planet? Try the Mighty Fix, a personalized subscription to help improve the products in your home, as small choices have a big impact over time. Every month, they deliver one full-size product to your doorstep, helping you reduce plastic waste, cut back on paper towels, use eco-conscious cleaning ingredients, and more. But here's the best part. It's personalized just for you. They send fixes based on the changes you want to make. And it can also make a great gift for family members who need a bit of help to live more sustainably. Their plastic-free shipping process ensures every mighty fix arrives in recyclable mailers and boxes made from 75% post-consumer waste paper, and it's flexible. Choose your fix each month or let them know what changes you want to make. Plus, members can add over 2,000 sustainable goods from their site with exclusive discounts, and everything ships for free with your monthly box. Join The Mighty Fix today at themightyfix.com backslash ingredients and your first month will be only $5. That's themightyfix.com backslash justingredients. Dr. Shannon is a former physical therapist and founder of Evlo Fitness. She educates her audience by busting fitness myths and conditioning women so they can understand how to train smarter, not harder. Welcome everyone back to the show. Today, I am super excited for our guests because a lot of times I find guests for all of you guys and things that you may be struggling with or wanting to learn about. But I actually am selfish today. And I brought this guest on for me, because she is so knowledgeable, knows so much about muscle building and lifting weights and things like that. And that's something that I've been interested in lately. And so I brought Dr. Shannon onto the show today. Super excited to have her. So welcome, Dr. Shannon to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I know that you're not the only one that struggles with this, so I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to ask you a bunch of questions, but before we begin, will you tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself, your
1: background, maybe why you got started in this? Yeah. So I am a doctor of physical therapy, and in physical therapy school and you know, early into my physical therapy career, I started developing a habit of over-exercising. I was learning the importance of exercise in physical therapy school. And I think I just got into a culture where I was thinking that more was better and doing a ton of cardio, working out sometimes multiple times a day, not taking enough recovery. I was lifting weights. I was doing high intensity fitness classes. I was teaching fitness classes and thinking that that's what I needed to do to be fit. And over a period of time, I started to develop back pain that spiraled into hip pain, that spiraled into shoulder pain, wrist pain. Basically my entire body felt like it was falling apart and I was only 24 years old. And I remember in my clinical rotations during school, having, being so embarrassed that I couldn't stand for more than like 15 minutes without asking my instructor to go take a break. And I just thought that that was the price that you had to pay to be fit. I thought, this is normal. This is how everybody feels when they're fit and when they exercise and that thought or that belief was endorsed then by my, when I started practicing as a physical therapist, my patients who were dealing with the same thing, my patients were super fit they could squat twice their body weight. They were running marathons. They were doing all the things, but they couldn't sit on a plane for more than two hours without terrible back pain or their knees hurt. So they couldn't run around the yard with their kids or whatever it may be. And so I just thought this is just what comes with being fit and what comes with like quote unquote looking good. And it wasn't until I moved from Kansas city at the time to North Carolina, I'm now in LA, but we moved for my husband who went to grad school and I kind of took some time off my exercise routine, just getting adjusted a couple of weeks. And I felt amazing. I felt better than I had felt in years. And I just thought to myself, I don't want to go back to that. Is there mm-hmm. a way that I can change my routine now and have a clean slate and not wreck my body in the process? So I dug into, I actually started studying bodybuilding a little bit. And I dug into the physics of exercise, I dug more into neurology, I dug more into the literature behind hypertrophy and building muscle and realized like, oh my gosh, not only is my workout wrecking my body, but it's actually counterproductive to what I'm trying to achieve, which is a strong, fit, muscular body. So fast forward, um, this is why I started my fitness platform, Evlo. And this is our goal is to help educate women. Let's build the muscle. Let's teach you how to do it without wrecking yourself and without feeling like you have to overdo it and spend three hours in the gym. So that's where we are today. I love that. So I have so many questions
0: because on social media right now, you hear a lot about weightlifting and women, you need to build muscle. But then you'll hear people saying, Yeah, but you still need your cardio. And then there's just so many confusing things out there about exercise. So I want to start with muscle, gaining muscle. And so let's start like at the beginning or the basics of everything. So why is it important for women to build muscle?
1: So, so many reasons. I could talk until I'm blue in the face about the importance of this. Number one, we're losing muscle with each year that passes after the age of about 30. So you're losing anywhere from like two to 8% of your muscle mass of your lean mass per decade. And this can start to have an accumulating negative effect on not only your body composition, the way you physically look, but also on your metabolic health. Muscle is one of the largest sites for glucose storage that we have. And which means that when you eat the sugars and carbohydrates from your food can get stored in the muscle instead of getting stored in as fat. This can have an effect on your insulin sensitivity, which I know you had Ben Bickman, um, come and explain on your podcast, which I think is awesome. So it can increase your insulin resistance and cause all sorts of issues in your body. So building muscle as early as possible, this isn't something that we need to focus on. Like, you know, when you hit 40, 50, focusing on it in your twenties and thirties, and of course it's never too late, really helps you with your longevity helps you to age better. We can talk about like the benefits of skin, the benefits for mental health, bone health, metabolic health. It helps keep your metabolism high. So we really, really all need to be focusing on building muscle really as soon as we can.
0: Okay. So good to know. I have a question about gaining muscle. One, I want to know what the most important factors are contributing to muscle gain for women. But I also want to know, is it different how women gain muscle versus men? Because on social media, I'm seeing a lot of men shout out all these
1: things. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Is it different? It is different because how we build muscle is not just the stimulus from your workout. It's also the internal processes that are happening within us, i.e. hormones. So because men have naturally higher levels of anabolic hormones, which are the the hormones that help build new tissue within our body and repair tissue within our body and build more lean mass, they have naturally higher levels of those anabolic hormones. Think testosterone, growth hormone, things like that. Women have these hormones too, and they're just a little bit lower by nature. So men and women could do the exact same training program and men might just progress a little bit faster. This doesn't mean that women can't build muscle. It just means that they might need to be a little bit more patient with the process. Now, when it comes to the most important things for building muscle, I kind of have five basics that I break it down and I find that this is the best way to kind of explain this. So number one is programming. I think one of the biggest mistakes that women make is they overdo it or they overuse certain muscles and they don't give their body or certain muscles enough recovery. So let's say someone is like trying to grow their glutes. That's a big one that a lot of women want to grow that muscle. So they train their glutes every single day. Well, what can happen is when you train a muscle, that muscle goes through an inflammatory process where your body's trying to heal that damaged tissue. So if you interrupt that inflammatory process by trying to damage it again in your workout, you can start to spin in chronic inflammation. And this is where not only are you not building muscle because you're not giving it the time to heal and recover, but you can start to develop joint issues in that Mm -hmm. specific area. So programming your workout so that you're working each muscle group two-ish times per week on non-consecutive days so that you have about 48 hours in between to make sure that your body has the time to repair that muscle so that it can grow stronger so that's the first one is programming
0: can i ask you something really quick before you go to two three and four you said work that muscle group only two times a week so when you say that how long are we working that muscle group like Lots of sets, only a few sets, if it's only twice a week, because I know some people will work at least three or four times a week a certain muscle set.
1: Yes, so volume is important. So how many sets you're doing for each muscle group is important. Studies show that around four-ish sets per week. And these are hard sets. And this is where we're going to get into one of the other basics, which is progressive overload. If you're doing about four ish sets per week or a little bit more, we tend to do like four to seven sets per week. um, And that can be divided between two sessions. That's what's important for muscle growth. So a hard set means that you're not just doing like, you know, three sets of 10 and calling it a day. You have to make sure that that muscle has significant challenge. So in each set, Let's say you're doing set number one for your glutes. By the end of that set, you should feel like you're approaching muscular failure. Muscular failure means that you can't complete the exercise with good form. So you want to get three to four reps shy of that failure point. You don't have to get all the way to failure where you like, ah, I dropped the weights and I'm just, I'm done, but you need to get within three to four reps of failure. What a lot of people do is they'll just do a bunch of reps and they'll feel the burn and they'll be like, Ooh, that's enough, but they're not actually approaching that failure point. And so they won't get the proper stimulus to build muscle. Another way to know if you're getting close to failure is that you get a decrease in velocity. So decrease in velocity means that your speed slows down. If your last rep can be completed at the same speed as your first rep, you're not close enough to failure you're really gonna feel like you have to slow down, your effort increases, your heart rate might spike, you might make some faces, you might feel like you have to almost like grunt to complete the rep. That's how you know you're close to failure. So those are important things when it comes to challenging a muscle enough. And I think, again, a lot of people will just be like, okay, three sets of 10, woo, that was kind of hard. But you really have to put in that close to failure stimulus to grow muscle. Did I answer your question? Yes, so good to know. So now okay. I'll let you
0: go through the other steps of the important things to build muscle
1: yes yes so we talked about programming we talked about how you want to program again two ish times per week per muscle group that's four to seven ish sets maybe a little bit more making sure that you're programming in recovery number two is exercise selection so Exercise selection is really important. Not all exercises are created equal, and we want to make sure that we're targeting a muscle in a way that we're actually trying to target. We're not getting weird forces from the side that are causing joint strain that are, you're like, I'm not really sure what I'm working here, or I'm choosing an exercise where I'm kind of working everything at once. Like I'm squatting overhead, pressing to burpee. And it's like, what is that really working? It's not really working anything very efficiently. So choosing an exercise that is targeting kind of one primary muscle group at a time, and then taking that exercise close to failure, like we talked about. So that's number two is exercise selection. Number three is progressive overload. So as a muscle gets stronger, you want to slowly start to increase the challenge. You can increase the challenge by adding more weight. You can increase the challenge by adding deeper ranges of motion. You can increase the challenge by adding more repetitions. All of those things can be a great way to progressively overload a muscle. If you are using the same weight for the same lift, you know, last year that you are this year, probably means it's time to go up in weight or add more reps. So that's number three. Number four is nutrition. And this is where having enough protein comes into play because if you're not eating enough protein, you won't see the change in your body. I'm not an expert, I'm not formally trained in nutrition, but I do know the basics. And the basics are basically you wanna get 0.75 to one gram of protein per day per ideal body weight. Now I just learned this and I think this is really interesting. People think ideal body weight is like just an arbitrary number. Like, oh, I wanna be like 120 pounds. There's actually a way to calculate ideal body weight for you. And you can just go to Google and just type in ideal body weight calculator, type in your age, your gender, your height, and it'll give you an ideal body weight, an ideal body mass. So that's a really good way because people are like, well, I have 50 pounds to lose. So if I, that's a lot of protein, if I'm just eating my body weight in protein, you can go calculate your ideal body weight and then try to get 0.75 to one grams of protein per day. Okay. So that's nutrition. And then the final one is recovery and i touched on this just a little bit but i think this is something that a lot of people brush past because they think that more is better and that's just not how your physiology works your body needs a balance between work and recovery in order to continue to progress forward this is really good news because i recommend two recovery days per week and i take mine on saturday and sunday you don't have to take them consecutively you can just sprinkle them in whatever works for your schedule but knowing that recovery is productive and recovery is actually going to help your body heal and move you forward is so freeing. Like I used to have so much guilt if I didn't get in a workout every single day. And now I'm like, no, I'm doing favors for my body by giving my myself this time off. And it's just such a freeing, beautiful experience to give yourself permission to recover.
0: I love that. So talking about recovery, when you take two days off, do you mean from everything or could you like go on a walk one of those days? I
1: mean, primarily from strength training, or I like to say, if you're, if you're stressing your muscles significantly, it's probably not allowing you that full recovery. So what I do is I'll do a walk or I'll play tennis or I'll go for a hike. We want to keep our body moving and active every single day of our lives if we can, but this just means you're not straining your muscles significantly.
0: Okay. So you are active seven days a week but five of those days are strength training and two are hiking or walking or something not so strenuous on the body.
1: Exactly. And I like to think of it as just like, this is just a lifestyle instead of like, this is like dedicated activity. Cause sometimes I'm, I don't do much on my recovery days and it's just, it is what it is. Sometimes I just like lay on the couch. I don't think too much about it. I don't over index. on like trying to make sure I hit a specific number. I just try to have an active overall active lifestyle. And I find that When you think of your life like that, and you think of it less like structured, like I have to go get a workout in, it becomes a lot more attainable and easy to, easy to sustain. Okay. Good to know. So back to
0: doing sets, like you're saying like three sets a day, maybe. And I'm asking this because I know I'll have so many listeners send me a message saying you didn't ask her how many reps in the set. So is there a certain amount of reps that we need to do to qualify it as a set?
1: Let's talk about this because there is a lot of dogma in the fitness industry of you need to do a certain amount of sets or a certain amount of reps reps, in each set. So studies show that you can have a wide variety of rep ranges and still see muscle growth. It doesn't have to be super low rep. However, if you are doing more than about 30 reps and you're still not approaching failure, your loads are too light. Mm -hmm. So a super high rep training likely is good for endurance. But it's not going to physically change the size of the muscle it's also not toning which i think is a total myth in the fitness industry because that toned aesthetic is coming from losing fat and or gaining muscle or just losing fat and being able to see the muscle underneath but losing fat is primarily up to nutrition we can't spot treat fat by doing certain exercises so although super high rep training may burn it's not necessarily toning or changing the shape of your body at all. It might be improving endurance, like I said, but it's probably not building significant amount of muscle. So you can do any rep range between like five reps all the way up to 30 reps. And as long as you're getting close to that muscular failure point, you're gonna be building muscle. So you really could do a minimum of five? Is that what you said? Yep, that tends to be kind of the minimum where you build muscle. So if, you, if you're doing heavy enough resistance, which I, we don't do this personally, cause I just prefer a little higher rep training. I just feel more stable. It just feels better in my body. But if someone likes to lift super heavy, they can do five reps. And as long as that fifth rep is really, really challenging, they can build muscle. Okay.
0: So I'm curious, cause you touched upon this just slightly. So I'm gonna have you expound upon this. Let's talk about fat burning with lifting weights. You hear on social media, some people are like, you've got to lift weights only because that's the way to burn fat the best. Is that
1: true? No form of exercise is really very significant when it comes to fat loss. Really, truly nutrition is the most important piece to fat loss. And I think that that's kind of a hard pill to swallow for people because it's hard, right? It's hard to change your nutrition, but it's the reality of how it is. Is exercise has been oversold as a fat loss tool. Now having more muscle mass can indirectly aid in fat loss but it takes time because you have to have more lean mass in order to have that effect. So the reason that having more muscle can indirectly improve fat loss is because it improves your insulin sensitivity. Like I talked about earlier, muscle is a big storage site for glucose. So when you have less glucose in your bloodstream, more glucose storage in the muscle, your insulin sensitivity improves and it improves your body's ability to utilize fat as fuel. So muscle can kind of indirect and also muscle can improve your basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate improve your metabolism slightly but the act of actually strength training isn't burning a significant amount of fat i think that that's kind of been an overblown idea that strength training like melts fat or burns fat truly it's it's mostly nutrition (laughs)
0: Oh some women might be really disappointed
1: by hearing this right now. I know. Okay, well I know. then I know, but it's it's like when you understand really what's happening then you can make better choices and really see better results because I think people get overpromised that exercise is going to like transform their body and we don't really understand we're not really taught what it's truly doing for your body. Exercise is great for building muscle and improving your body composition in that way, but it's not the best tool when it comes to fat loss.
0: Okay, I'm glad you explained that. And you're right. It is better that people know the truth and understand it because I do know I go to a gym and a bunch of women are so frustrated that they've been there for over a year, two years, and they haven't seen any body change. And I did talk to them the other day about, well, it might come down to what you're also eating at
1: home, you know, so that does play a big part. I think a lot of people think too, like I'm eating clean or I'm, you know, they they do really good during the week. And then on the weekends, the wheels come off and they drink a lot of alcohol and they go out to eat. I've been there. And so they're in like kind of an overall calorie surplus, even though they feel like they're doing good most of the time. So it's difficult, right? It's difficult to lose fat. It's difficult to be in a calorie deficit, but that's where I sometimes would challenge women to think about potentially tracking their food. Again, I'm not a nutrition expert, so I don't like to talk about this too much, but that's what I did is I started tracking what I was eating and I what I immediately noticed was I was eating about half the amount of protein that I should be eating. I think for most people, if they're just kind of eating clean foods, they're probably under eating protein. And so it's really hard to build muscle when you're under eating protein. So I sometimes I'm like, maybe if you're frustrated and you feel like things aren't working, tracking and getting really specific with what you're eating throughout the entire week, even on the weekends, can be really eye-opening and help you make better decisions that are gonna be more effective.
0: I so agree. So I find this interesting. So I eat pretty clean, as everybody knows, and I could not put on muscle. In fact, I actually was scanning and realizing I had lost muscle. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm working out. Well, come to find out, I started tracking my food just to see, and I was not gaining enough protein because I just love fruits and veggies and nuts and things like that so much. I was like, wow, I have really got to up my protein if I'm going to build some muscle here. So yeah. you're right, making sure we get enough protein is really important. So thank you for saying that. So yeah. let me ask you then about calories. Are you tracking for calories? Or are you tracking just purely to see how much protein you're getting?
1: At first it was protein for me. And then I wanted to go on a body recomposition journey. So I wanted to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. Now body recomposition is kind of what a lot of people, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people kind of want that, right? So they want that quote unquote toned aesthetic, which is a made up word from the fitness industry. You won't see that in the scientific literature by the way, but it's body recomposition, losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time. This takes a delicate balance between training and nutrition. You have to be in a slight calorie deficit while keeping your protein high. If your calorie deficit is too low, you might be losing muscle, right? Because your body is going to need nutrients and need tissue so it can break down muscle tissue as energy. So it's kind of this delicate balance, but I really like a body recomposition goal because for me, it feels really sustainable because since the calorie deficit is so slight, I'm not like starving all the time and I'm eating plenty of protein, which is really satiating. And since I'm not like killing it in my workout routine, you know, I'm really focused on recovery and things like that my body doesn't hurt all the time. So it feels really sustainable even though it is a slower process that you have to be really patient with. So yeah, I think looking at calories is just a reality of if fat loss is your goal, you do have to look at calories. Once you start tracking and getting used to things and kind of understanding and getting more intuitive about how full you're feeling and you know what the caloric density of certain foods is, I think you can stop tracking, but I think at first to get some awareness around it is really important.
0: Okay, I wanna actually talk to you more about calories because there's so much on social media about burning calories and needing to do that and get to the gym to burn those calories. And so I just wanna know, what are the common myths out there about burning calories? Like, do we need to get to the gym to burn those calories every day? Does this help in our muscle
1: gain? Like, what are the myths? this is such an important conversation. And one that I don't think is talked about enough because I think women, not just women, people over indexed on burning calories when in reality, it's not as important as we've been led to believe. So newer studies are coming out that are totally debunking the way we thought we burned calories. Mm. We thought that The more you exercise the more activity you have the higher your calorie burn overall and the higher your deficit the higher your deficit the faster you'll lose weight or the more you can eat right right so people think like i can just eat more because i went to the gym for three hours and i burned a thousand calories so now i've earned myself a thousand more calories Mm -hmm. in food or i've decreased my deficit by a thousand calories and that will accelerate my fat loss this is not how we burn calories. And we've discovered recently that how we burn calories is constrained. It's not additive. So what happens is at a certain threshold of overall activity, your body stops increasing your deficit overall. So if you do, let's say you go to the gym for three hours and burn a thousand calories, we're just using an extreme example here, that thousand calories isn't actually increasing your deficit overall. Your body throughout the rest of the day will, compensate by borrowing from other energy expending processes to keep you within a narrow window of calorie expenditure so you will unintentionally move less throughout your day you'll be more stationary totally unintentionally energy that is allocated to digestion will start to slow down energy that is allocated to mental processing will start to slow energy that's allocated to cell cleanup and immunity will start to slow down so overall you actually aren't burning that 1000 calories because your body has downregulated other processes to keep you within this narrow window of expenditure wow. scientists think that this is an evolutionary um, mechanism to help us conserve energy so that we have energy left if there's if there's an emergency and we need mm-hmm. to run or fight or whatever it may be so what's the point of wearing your body down and going to the gym and spending all this time and burning all these calories if it's not actually increasing your overall deficit so I think that what I recommend is don't track your calories burned from your fitness watch. I don't recommend that at all because it's highly inaccurate and it doesn't take into the account that your body's probably compensating by downregulating other systems in your body when you burn a lot of calories from your workouts. So what I recommend is we just wanna be overall active. I say like 150 minutes per week of light to moderate intensity cardio. That means that, you know, you're not stationary all day long, you're moving around You're I, I like to just walk for 10 to 30 minutes per day and then you're strength training and you're focusing on building muscle because when you have more muscle that can improve your overall metabolism a lot more than just trying to focus on burning calories. So I think it, it's freeing in the sense that. You don't have to worry about if you didn't have a calorie, super high calorie torching workout, it can still be really effective. If you were choosing exercises where you're getting close to that failure point, you're focusing on building muscle, that's going to have a lot bigger impact than just trying to like mindlessly burn as many calories as possible. What you just said
0: is going to be mind blowing for people because I work out with a bunch of women who all track their calories and they love like on cardio day, if they've gotten a really big burn on some of these cardio days, they'll get like 800 calories and be uh, burn 800 calories on their watch and be so excited that they get to go then, you know, eat that much more or whatever.
1: So, wow. Again, it's one of those hard truths that you're kind of like, dang, like I thought I could go earn, you know, three glasses of wine or whatever, but also it really, it really helps you adjust your mindset. And I think, and I believe a really healthy way because now we're not, using exercise to earn food. We're not equating the two. They're completely separate, right? Food and how, what we're eating is separate from what we're burning. And so I think that separating these things in your mind, where at first it can be kind of like disappointing and frustrating, but knowing the truth can help you again, make better decisions and make you feel like you might have a better relationship around food. So true. Okay. So
0: now I know listeners will message me this, they'll be like, okay, so I get it. We should, weight lift and gain muscle. And now that I'm not looking at burning calories, why in the world do I even need to do cardio days? And what's your thought on that?
1: Great question. Cardio is excellent for your overall health. But again, I think taking it away from, I'm doing cardio to burn fat and using cardio as a way to keep your body moving, keep your heart healthy, um, keep your overall, cell cleanup, improve, like it it has so many benefits to your body, but I think people overdo the calories or the cardio because of this reason, because they think that it's going to burn more calories and increase or accelerate their fat loss or help them stay at a maintenance. So I think we think about cardio as again, that 150 minutes per week of light to moderate intensity cardio. So it's kind of less than people think, right? Sprinkling it in throughout your routine where you can, and then the next question I get is about hit cardio, right? So Mm -hmm. high intensity cardio and high intensity cardio has been shown to be very beneficial for your metabolic health. But again, I think people see that and they see the research and they think, okay, that must mean that more is better. We're not really educated about the ceiling of exercise and how much too much exercise can negatively affect your body. So high intensity exercise, We wanna sprinkle that into our routine one to two times per week for short sessions, like 15 minutes max. And this is optional. I'm actually not doing high intensity cardio. I took it out of my routine about six months ago and I've never felt better. I'm just going through a season in my life where I didn't feel like I had the space for it. And I think that's totally fine. You do not have to do it, or you can maybe add it when you're feeling really good, take it out if you're like overly stressed or if your body hurts or whatever it might be. But keeping those sessions really short is important because you want your high intensity cardio to be all out effort, max effort, and it's hard to sustain. You can't sustain max effort for very long. So if your sessions, if your hit sessions are an hour, it's actually not hit. It's actually moderate intensity cardio because you can't sustain that amount of output for that amount of time. And so you're potentially wearing down your body for no additional benefit. So if you want to add HIIT, again, we're not doing it for the calorie burn, we're doing it for heart health, to improve VO2 max, to improve your metabolic system, but keeping that one to two times per week for short sessions. Okay. I like everything you said.
0: And I tell people with these cardio days too, it's a great way to detox, to sweat. That sweating is actually a great way to detox, getting some of those endorphins up, some of the neurotransmitters It can be really good for mental health. So... I always try to say the same thing, like, you know, one or two days or sprinkle it throughout the week, like you said, but cardio is still important. We also need to focus on building muscle as well. But I do have another question, though, about this, because I get asked this quite often. People will tell me, well, I've heard like once you're in perimenopause or menopause or once you're in your 40s or once you're in your 50s, we shouldn't do cardio like it's detrimental. We need to just focus on weights. Thoughts about those stages of life.
1: Great question. I think that it doesn't have to be so black and white. I think that there's probably still more literature to come out that gives us definitive answers on this. In the meantime, I like to think that pretty much everyone should be concurrent training, which means doing a little bit of cardio and doing a little bit of strength training. If you only have time for one thing, I say pick the strength training because resistance training is also going to have benefits for your cardiovascular health, but doing a little bit of both is important. So no, I don't think that women in perimenopause should stop doing cardio. However, if they're doing so much cardio that it's conflicting with their ability to recover from their strength training workouts, that's going to be counterproductive, but you'll have signs to know whether you're doing too much. So some of those signs are like, if you are sore all the time, that's not a good thing. We don't want to be constantly sore all the time. People think that that's like a sign that they've done enough. It's not true. If you feel like you're having, um, joint pain or sleep issues, mood issues, some of these things are tied with perimenopause. So it's hard to decide, like, is that my exercise that's causing that? Or is it just the hormones from perimenopause? But, If you feel overall like run down and weak and you aren't getting stronger, you're not able to lift heavier weights, it probably means that you're doing too much cardio and could afford to pull back the cardio a little bit and focus more of your attention and energy on your weightlifting routine. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, let's talk about soreness.
0: So is it a myth or is it true? Because you hear all the time, like you need to be sore after you're done lifting and you need to go to the point of soreness. Is
1: that a myth or what is that? Total myth. You can have muscle growth in the absence of soreness. Really? I actually recommend light to no muscle soreness. When you first start a routine, you're gonna be sore in the beginning. And soreness usually comes from doing unaccustomed exercise or unaccustomed activity and or eccentric activity. So the lowering phase, so like if you're lowering from a bicep curl, that's eccentric. So soreness usually happens for those two reasons. Now, as your body gets used to strength training and with progressive overload, we want to be doing the same exercises over and over and slowly adding more resistance to those exercises. Your body will start to get less and less sore as you go along. Now, people panic and be like, oh my gosh, this means I'm not progressing anymore because I'm not super sore like I was in the beginning. That's not true. It's just that your body now knows how to heal from this type of damage. And so it's a lot more efficient and effective at improving that muscle mass. So. Study after study have shown that you can continue to gain muscle in the absence of soreness. After you get used to a certain routine, I like to say, like to know muscle soreness is ideal because if you are constantly super sore, you're either going to have to skip training days and it's going to influence your consistency, which will influence your results, or you'll train anyway, and you'll leave yourself more susceptible to injury because when you're sore, it's harder to control movements and you have less ability to have stability in certain positions. So I like to say, like to m- no muscle soreness is truly ideal.
0: That is so interesting because I will just tell you something on arm day at the gym, I'm always sore. And so I always thought like, oh, I'm doing good. I was lifting heavy enough and I'm sore on leg day. I'm never sore. And so the gym coach just like a week ago was like, oh, then you're not lifting heavy enough or you're not doing, you know, big enough movement. Like you've got to increase more. So, not true? Yeah, not true.
1: I think the best way to judge, like, if you've done enough and if you have enough stimulus to that muscle is if you're approaching that failure point. If you feel like on your leg exercises, I am getting close to that failure point. Like, my last rep is really hard, it's slower, I'm breathing heavier, then that's enough, whether or not you're sore. I'm kind of the opposite. I get really sore in my legs. I don't ever get sore in my upper body. But I have the DEXA scan to prove that I have, like, increased my muscle mass in my upper body, even though I'm almost never getting sore. Because a lot of people will say, I'm not looking at calories. I'm not looking at soreness. How do I know that I'm what I'm doing is right? Look at that challenge to your muscle. Are you getting close to failure? And if you are, then you are providing enough stimulus for muscle growth. So now if my arms are always sore, am I overdoing it? What's your, what's your routine for your arms? Are you working them? Are you giving them enough recovery in between? Like in between each set? In between each... Throughout
0: yes. Because the yes. they do like Correct. arms one day, legs the next day. So they do Got rotate it.
1: it. Is it okay to be sore? Maybe I should ask that. It's okay to be, would you say like, if you were to scale it from one to 10, like 10 it's a being light most, soreness. Being, yeah. It's a light soreness. Be, so I think that's totally fine. That's a question I get a lot too, is like, wait, I'm sore. Even though I'm doing the same routine, like, is this bad? No, like my quads are sore right now. I still get sore. I think it's, a lot of times it's like dependent on the person. Like I said, you get sore in your upper body. I get sore in my lower body. Some people get sore in their abs. Some people never get sore in their abs. So I think as long as it's that light muscle soreness, it's no big deal.
0: Okay, good to know. I've got a few more questions that I know followers will wanna know. Something they ask me all the time because I push my Just Ingredients Protein, obviously, all the time and try to teach people why it's such a good thing to drink and you know why to drink it daily. But people always tell me, well, if I'm going to go lift weights and drink that protein, I'm going to really bulk up. Like I don't want to bulk up. So why is there that myth that protein and lifting weights is going to make some women bulky, which
1: then therefore they say they look heavier in clothes. This is such an important conversation to have because I think number 1, it's hard for women to build muscle. Like I said, we have lower levels of anabolic hormones. And so it is it takes a little bit more time for us to build muscle. But Some people do experience that bigger feeling after they strength train. And this is two things that I want to discuss. And maybe this is, maybe these are things that people haven't heard of before or heard about in this way that I think is really important. So number one, when you first start a strength training routine within that first month, maybe a little bit longer, you'll have an increase in temporary cell swelling. So you might notice you have that like kind of puffier, bigger feeling overall. This is because your body is getting accustomed to the training and so you have more water retention, but this is temporary women think oh my gosh I look bigger I look bulkier I've only been doing this for a month. Now all of a sudden I'm gaining all this muscle I need to stop I need to go back to my cardio routine, but they're not actually building muscle within that first month or so building a significant amount of lean mass doesn't happen for about eight weeks sometimes longer for some people. So within that first month, it's not actually muscle that they're building. It's just some temporary swelling that tends to go away over time as their body gets accustomed to that. So that's kind of the first thing to like, continue to push through. in that first month, if you're noticing that like puffier feeling, so that's what's happening there. And then number two, let's say you get past that and you're three, four or five months in, and you're actually starting to gain lean mass, but you feel overall bigger. So what's happening is people might be gaining fat and muscle at the same time because they are in that slight calorie surplus. And again, your calorie surplus may be really small, but if it's small and it's aggregated over a long period of time, you are still gaining fat overall, even though you're gaining muscle underneath the fat and your body composition has improved, the ratio of fat to muscle has improved, but you might not be able to see the muscle because of the fat on top. So that's where nutrition comes in and being in that slight calorie surplus while keeping your protein high so that you're losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time. So I think that, Women, a lot of times when they are doing body recomposition and they're focusing on nutrition and they're focusing on strength training, they end up really liking the way they look. They feel like they're that quote unquote toned look because they are losing fat at the same time. But I think it involves separating fat loss from exercise and really using nutrition for the fat loss piece. Okay. So I know people will ask,
0: can you tell I know my audience? I just know what they're going to ask every day. So good. So good. A lot of them have told me that once they started weightlifting, that their coach or nutritionist, whoever, has told them, well, then you need to increase your calories to
1: gain that muscle. Is that not necessarily true? It is in the sense that when you're in an energy surplus, so when you're in a calorie surplus, you will gain muscle at a faster rate. And that's because if you think about it when you're building new tissue you need the components to build that new tissue that's where the protein comes in it is a lot easier for your body to build new tissue when it has a surplus of energy so yes you can build muscle a lot faster and if your goal is to build as much mass as possible you definitely do want to be in a calorie surplus and i think that that can be a great place to be actually because it's going to be It's going to be a a lot probably easier to build muscle if you aren't so focused on being in that deficit, but you still can body recomposition. You can build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Again, it's just a slower process and it takes a little bit more tracking. So yes, you absolutely can be in a calorie surplus and build muscle. It just depends on your goals and kind of how long you want to take to get there.
0: But you can also be in a slight calorie deficit and still build muscle. This just would help
1: lose weight as well. Being in that slight calorie deficit will help you lose fat and then if you're strength training and eating enough protein then you'll build muscle at the same time
0: okay a couple other questions there are people on social media that are teaching that you need to change your exercise routine dependent on where you are in the menstrual cycle which phase you are in the menstrual cycle should we follow that it doesn't really matter what are your thoughts
1: on that great question So I love the idea of cycle syncing in that you're just listening to your body and you're adjusting based on cues from your body. However, I do think that it's a little misguided in the sense that let's say if you just like look up cycle syncing on TikTok or something, it'll be like you're doing yoga on your period. And then the next week you're lifting. And then the next week you're doing Pilates. And then the next week you're walking or whatever. You have no continuity of your training. So because you're not stimulating muscles with enough consistency, you won't actually see any progress with that type of routine. Progressive overload and consistency are two of the most important things when it comes to physically changing your body and improving your muscle mass. So that's kind of my first issue with it is that when you're changing up your workouts each and every week, it's really hard to see any kind of progress. So, and so that's my first issue. And then the second issue is that a lot of times the recommendations are coming from culture rather than what's actually happening with our hormones. So again, if you look at TikTok, it'll say like during your period, when you're actually in your bleed week, take it easy, walk, do yoga, do some gentle movement where if we look at what's happening from a hormonal level during that week, that's actually when your hormones are the lowest and you're the most similar to a man from a hormonal standpoint.
0: Hmm. So that's
1: actually the point in your cycle where you have a great opportunity to recover. And so it's a great opportunity to build muscle since you have better recover ability during that time. So it's a little misguided as far as like what to do when, Now, can you cycle sync while still building muscle? And I have a whole podcast about this. I think absolutely. I think what I would recommend doing is just getting in tune with your own body and noticing like, is my recovery lagging a little bit? Do I feel really tired and weak this week? Am I struggling with my motivation? Do I feel like I'm not sleeping very well this week? Okay, I'm gonna lift, but maybe I do two sets instead of three, or maybe I, you know, I'm not getting all the way to that failure point this time, or maybe I'm backing off a little bit, but you're still showing up for your weight training session and you're still keeping your same schedule. You're just dialing it back a little bit or dialing it up just depending on how you're feeling. And everyone's gonna feel a little bit different. Some people in their first, you know, first two days of their period feel like trash. Some people, as soon as their period starts, like me, day one of my period, I'm like a new woman. Whereas the week (laughs) before I'm like, don't talk to me. I like am tired, I'm exhausted, I'm moody. I feel horrible. So I think that there's no like dogmatic principles around this. You just have to really get aware of your own body and how you're feeling during your cycle.
0: I love how you explain that. And I love that. It's just listen to your body because I think that plays a huge role. Even the other day on Saturday, I love the Saturday classes at the gym. I never miss them, but I woke up just exhausted. And I was like, you know what? It is better for my body to just go on a walk, a nice easy walk through nature today. I am not going to go do that hard class and I think that was way more beneficial for my body than a hard class that day.
1: So I thank you for saying that cuz it is really important to listen to your body. Absolutely. We we actually got this trademarked cuz I believe in it so much. We call it gentle consistency. So showing up when you can show up, but also Understanding when you're having those days, because we're humans and we're not going to be at 100% all the time, but having those days where you're like, okay, listen, my body is giving me all the signals that I need to back up. And that gentle consistency is truly going to move you forward so much more than intense inconsistency. I always say that. Oh, I and like I think, that. Isn't that good? I it like is. that it will click for people because they're like, I need to go all out every single day. It's like, no, you just need to be consistent, but in a gentle way. Thank you for sharing that. I have another question
0: that I know people will ask. Should we eat before we work out? If we're having a morning workout session, do they go with intermittent fasting? Do they eat something? What's your
1: thought on that? Oh man, um, coming from the place where I'm not formally trained in nutrition, so I try not to give a ton of nutrition advice. Just from what I've observed, the jury seems to be out on this. Like. It seems to be like the experts cannot agree on this like do i eat do i not eat do i train fasted do i not train fasted what i do is again i just go back to i listen to my body if i'm hungry when i wake up i'll eat something before i train which is kind of where i've been recently i've been eating something before i train and sometimes what i recommend doing for people is like try both and see where you have the better session where do you feel stronger do you feel stronger if you don't have any food Do you feel stronger if you do eat a little something before? So I always recommend just kind of trying it to see see what works. I think the jury's still out on that. I love that. So I used to not eat before.
0: And then one day, for some reason, I had a protein shake before I went. And I had such a better workout that I was like, oh, I'm going to try that again. And so I had a protein shake the next day. Oh, my gosh, it was night and day difference for me. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm having a protein shake before I work out. So I like that you said that. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Then on the flip side, you hear you should eat right after you're done working out, like food getting in your system for the muscle building.
1: Is it true? Do we need to wait an hour? What are your thoughts on that? I've interviewed dietitians about this, actually, and what they say is that we thought that it was a narrow window. Like we we used to think that you had to eat something like 30 minutes after you train or an hour after you train. Mm -hmm. And I think what experts are finding is that it tends to be more of a barn door than a window. So as long as you're getting in enough protein throughout the day... I don't think that timing tends to be as important as we thought. So if you wait, you know, an hour, two hours before your next meal, just because you're working out at a time where it's not close to mealtime, it can still be effective for building muscle.
0: Oh, so interesting to know. Okay. I have a question that, that we haven't even touched upon yet, but sleep, does sleep play a role in muscle growth in recovery? Like where does sleep
1: play a part? I think if you're not seeing results and you feel like you're doing all the right things, you're eating well, you're training consistently, look at your sleep. Because when we're thinking about sleep, if that's not there, nothing else is going to be there. Number one, you recover in sleep. That's when you recover and build the most muscle mass, especially in deep sleep. So if you have some sort of fitness wearable, that's tracking sleep, looking at deep sleep and making sure that you're in about 10 to 20% of your sleep is deep sleep really important for building muscle. What's also really interesting is that when you're lacking sleep, your hunger hormones will be affected the next day. So what happens is you're lacking energy because you don't have enough sleep. Your body hasn't had that time to repair. And so the next day your body's like, okay, we're lacking energy. So we need to get energy in the form of food. And so it will give you false, a false sense of hunger, especially for calorie dense foods that that are going to give you that immediate energy boost like pizza. And so it's going to mess with your hunger cues the next day and might cause you to overeat or might make it hard for you to stay on a nutrition plan. So if you're thinking about, okay, what's going to have the biggest impact for me, focus on sleep first. I, I think people try to do, 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 but they're not looking at, really that foundation, which is sleep. So interesting. So is that sort of the same case with
0: stress? Because I'll hear people say like, oh my gosh, it's been such a stressful year. I've gained 15 pounds. So is stress causing fat gain and prohibiting muscle growth?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because cortisol is a stress hormone and cortisol and insulin go hand in hand. So when your cortisol is high, that can increase your insulin. And having higher levels of insulin can affect your hunger cues, can affect your blood sugar. And so it might make you feel, give you this kind of false sense of hunger, again, because you're kind of in survival mode, you're in stress mode. And so you might be eating, you might physically feel hungry. And so it might feel like, but I am hungry, I do need to eat, but it might be a false sense of hunger. You might be eating above your needs because of this hormonal imbalance. Also stress affects sleep. And again, it all compounds. So I do think that if you are experiencing stress, looking at how can I manage my stress? How can I sleep more? How can I nourish my body rather than I'm gaining all this weight? I need to go do extra cardio to try to burn it all off because that's just going to spiral your stress even more because your body's not going to have the time to recover. I think that's the first thing people want to do is like, I'm stressed. I'm gaining weight. I need to go hit the elliptical. When yep. in reality, it's like, let's peel it back. Let's sleep first. Let's get that down and then let's add some strength training. Let's make sure we're doing enough cardio, but we don't have to overdo it and then those stress hormones slowly start to balance.
0: Thank you so much for all of this info you've given us today. So, as we wrap up, will you just give my listeners like advice? Like what would be your one piece of advice you would give These women that are trying to gain muscle, they are working out at the gym, they're trying to do their best, but just frustrated with where they're at.
1: What advice do you give them? I think something that a lot of women need to hear is that it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be overly intense. You just need to be consistent. That gentle consistency truly will change your life. And I think that when we stop beating ourselves up for not having every single workout be perfect, we start to show up more because it doesn't feel so exhausting to go to your workout and it's easier to stay consistent with. So I think if we just start thinking of like, okay, I'm going to show up and take care of my body. I'm going to separate fat loss from exercise. And I think that will allow you to show up with so much more intention. You will get better workouts. You'll get higher quality workouts. And then you'll start to see better results. Oh, I love that. Thank you. So if listeners want to learn
0: more from you, which they should go learn more from you. You are amazing. We didn't even touch upon all the things that I wanted to ask you, but where can they find you?
1: Yes. I have a podcast called Fit Body Happy Joints, where we talk about really nerdy stuff in there, more about some of the things we we touched on. My Instagram is where I'm at a lot, educating Dr. Shannon DPT. And then I have a fitness platform called Evlo Fitness. Our goal is to build muscle without wearing down your body. Do you mind if I share a code with your listeners? Oh, for that free would be month? great. That would be great. Okay. So just ingredients you can use at checkout for a free month and you can just try it out and see how it goes. It's gentle workouts that are stimulating muscles in ways that will Uh, Contribute to growth all our trainers are doctors of physical therapy so we all are highly trained and hoping to get you the best results oh awesome thank you so much tell me a little bit more though about the
0: platform like could people go on there and see an exercise routine to do
1: each day yes we're super structured so you choose three four or five times per week and we drop new classes on each of those tracks each week so you're either working out with me or one of our trainers who, again, are all doctors of physical therapy and everything is super structured for you. So you just press play on the class on your Monday class and we're working upper body and it's 35 minutes and then you're out. Tuesday, lower body, 35 minutes, you're out. Wednesday, core, a few other muscles, you're out. So everything oh. is super, super structured. So you don't have to worry about sets and reps and volume and things like that. We're cueing you. So you basically just get to show up and press play and zero guesswork.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And it's only 35 minutes. Yes. Most of our cl- are on our four or five time per week track. They're, they're 35 minutes. On the three time per week track, they're longer classes because we want you to get the same amount of volume in the same muscle groups. But so the classes are a bit longer. So that's probably another
0: myth we could have talked about because so many people think they have to do an hour a day for it to be
1: beneficial, no. but not true. Let's be honest. That hour a day comes from commercialism comes from the fitness industry, wanting to sell their fitness classes. And people aren't going to go to a fitness class if it's less than 45 minutes, usually, right? They've left the house, they've gotten a sitter for the kids. So that's really coming from commercialism, not facts. And so when you take out all the fluff from your workout and you're just focused on the high bang for your buck exercises, and you're taking those close to failure, you can have short workouts that are still highly effective.
0: Oh, I love that. And I hope all women have just heard that because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like we don't have an hour today to do this and it doesn't have to be the hour. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for everything you have taught today. Like I just said, there are so many questions I still have for you that we could have talked about. So we need you for a part two.
1: We can always, I would love to come back for a part two. And by the way, just for all your listeners, I'm obsessed with your protein powder. I've been using it. I told you offline, but I've been using it for like a year Obsessed. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Just wanted another endorsement there. Thank
0: you so much. That means so much to me because you are just, like I said, so amazing and so knowledgeable. And so that actually is a really huge compliment coming from you. So thank you. But I have one last final question because I always end my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. And what would you
1: say it is? Laughter. I did not have to even think about it. Laughter. I think it makes everything better.
0: Oh, I love that. It's so true. Sometimes we just get stuck in a rut of life being hard and we forget to laugh. So
1: nothing is that serious, right? It's all, it makes it so much better when you just giggle at yourself. Oh, I love it. Thank you
0: again for being here. It was so great talking to you. And I know the listeners have learned so much. Go follow her, you guys. You will learn so much. And again, thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.